Hi lovely people, Martha here. I'm just dropping by to leave a short disclaimer in case you're wondering how come the last few uploads are so long, 45 minutes long uh, for some. It's because in this month of May, we are running a series called the May Career Mentors Magic. And the intention is to curate a space where we are bringing together couple of professionals from across different industries who have taken unlikely paths and who have approached their careers in a strategic, intentional and sometimes disruptive ways and to bring them together to share their stories with us because we truly believe everyone has a powerful story and when we listen to stories we can draw different learnings for ourselves so the next nine also uploads will take a different direction from the usual but i hope that you enjoy them and you get to learn or pick one insight that might shift how you look at your career in the moment and in the future as well thank you always for listening and for sharing and looking forward if you can make it to the next Mentors Magic session that will be running in May. Uh, and I always say it's happiness and it means happiness. <laughs> so I'm the smiling machine in the room. Um, something interesting about me, so I'm one of those millennials that go against a lot of research that says we don't stay with organizations for a long time, right? <laughs> So it's almost going to be seven years uh, of me working with DHL. But also to be fair to the researchers, I'm currently on my fifth role with the same organization. So it's not really like I've been in the same role for the last seven years. Um, so I've lived and worked in three countries so far. I lived in Turkey, I lived in Cameroon, and currently I'm based in South Africa. So right now I'm in Joburg and winter is coming here. It's not a joke. Um, something else about me is currently I'm also an MBA student at the Gibbs, uh, which is a Gordon Institute of Business Science, which is under University of Pretoria. So it's, a, it's an exciting time and I'm excited to be here. A little bit scared butterflies because normally I'm usually on the other side listening. But if you had Martha for the first five, seven minutes, you know she would convince you to do anything, right? So, <laughs> so I'm here and ready to see if my story, if anything I share can be helpful or inspiring to you. Yeah. Amazing. I, I'm pretty sure you'll do great. Um, I'm, I'm curious, actually, I, if you can share a little bit about what took you to Cameroon and what maybe start with what took you to Turkey and then we can get to the Cameroon because Cameroon is where everything exciting starts and it's really shaped most of your last four or five years of your career. Uh, so I was in university, I was part of a leadership organization and uh, the main thing that happened was doing this exchange programs that gave you an, a chance to go to another country, live, in, live and work in another country and get to experience um, what they do. So what had happened to me before that experience actually is I'd applied for like four positions within this leadership organization in a span of two years. And I kept being rejected. So for the love of me, I didn't understand why I was being rejected. I knew or I felt like I had done 
the most that I could and I deserved these positions, but I wasn't getting them. So for a, for a long time, it took me a while to actually come back and look internally within myself. I can say this only happened once I joined DHL much later on, but I think those, those rejections or whatever happened at that point really did propel me to start asking the questions of what can I change about myself? You know, you cannot have several people saying no. So there has to be something that you need to change about yourself. So yeah, I ended up in Turkey for four months. Uh, it was an exciting experience. Uh, living in a country that is in two different uh, continents, as I say, Asia and Europe. But it was a short experience. I had to get on the next one with the DHL when it came coming. Yeah, I love what you said about taking the step back and looking at yourself to see, okay, so many people are saying, I'm not, I don't know what's the right word, I'm not qualified for this specific role. And that's, of course, something that many of us don't do because we're always like, oh, recruiters, oh, hiring manager, oh, 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 we'd rather blame everybody else, not really blame ourselves, that's not the point here, but like, look at how have I been approaching my career journey and my job applications. Maybe to make it a little bit tangible, how do you do that reflection process for yourself in a way that you're not blaming or banging yourself and, you know, being all judgmental? I think when it happens a lot, at some point you, you stop and you start asking yourself those hard questions. Um, and then when you're exposed to different environments and it still keeps happening, then you definitely know the one constant in all this is yourself. So you have to come back and just check within yourself, what do I need to do differently? Where am I going wrong? It doesn't mean you're, you're bad or you're not that good. It just means that there's something you have overlooked or something that you haven't taken time to refine so that you can get ahead with whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, so for myself, it, it happened when I got into corporate and I realized people have so much to do, right? Um, and we all have different trade-offs to make. We all have different responsibilities to do. So at the end of the day, if you really want um, to be supported or to be helped, you have to be very specific and very intentional with the kind of support that you re request. And at the same time, you also have to be really of service. And I think that's where I got it right or it, it switched. Um, you would want somebody to help you with something at work, but because you're just asking, 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 it never gets done. So at some point, simple things like me walking to somebody's desk and saying, hey, let me, let me help you organize the desktop because it's so, so easy for me to do. Or if I see somebody struggling with an Excel sheet, I say, okay, let me help you with this Excel sheet. Or if I see a manager is struggling to put together a presentation, I'll be like, I can help you with this. So with, they might seem like small things, they might not take a lot of time from you, but these are the things that people see in you and see that they can support you because you are also there to support them. And it stops being, what am I doing wrong? And then mm -hmm. how can I be of service to others? How can I help so that when I need their help, they can also help me? Yeah, how can I be of service? How can I, at EDGE and in all our programs supporting individuals, we talk about, about this idea of being value creators. And because a lot, a lot of time we see ourselves as just employees and then we fail to see the other piece of it that actually organizations need us to thrive. You know, so 
that whole how can I be of service is then positions you as someone who actually has something to offer and you can show up this way. So today's topic is nobody owes you anything, you know, and it was so amazing when we were preparing that for you, it just like, I think you said this in like minute one, like 30 seconds into our chat, you were like, nobody owes you anything. And it was so powerful and so comparing and so sticky. Yeah. And how would you briefly share what has brought you to, um, to, to this point where you say nobody owes you anything in your career growth? Hmm. So it started from having all these rejections back in the day um, and then getting into corporate and sometimes you, you feel like maybe you deserve this promotion or you deserve this pay rise. And for me, mostly, it was because I had the mindset that if I've delivered what I'm expected to deliver, then the other party also needs to meet me halfway and give me what I think I deserve, right? And then I quickly realized that's not how it works. So just don't assume the other person knows what you want or what your career plan is like. You have to be very deliberate and, and intentional and strategic in asking for what you want. And you have to push for your own agenda. Um, as I mentioned, people would really want to support you, but they have other things to do. They have other pressing matters. They have deliverables from their managers. So at the end of the day, if you have your own agenda that you want to push, you really need to be intentional with it and be strategic with it and start working on it backwards so you don't wait until the time maybe you feel there's something you need to go for and then that's when you bring it up it's something you should have cultivated in the background and just developed it in, the, in a way that by the time you're asking for it it's something that is given to you because they've seen that you can deliver so for me it has been more of that um not just sitting there and assuming that you know everything will be given to me even yeah. trainings you know even if there are trainings in the organization and most organizations have trainings for their employees but mostly we assume that and some of these trainings you have to be nominated or something like that so you would assume your boss would nominate you because you're doing a good job but it's not it's not really like that you have to approach it in the sense that they really don't know what i want and if it's something I want to have to be specific and say, okay, this is where I am. And I believe this training being offered by the company will help me to do this and this and this. Please would yeah. you nominate me for that? So it's just things like that that I've learned along the way to be very, I don't want to say pushy, but to make sure that I bring my agenda to the table. Yeah, and let's talk about that because you shared two really powerful stories of how this has shaped your progress and growth in a very fast-tracked type of manner. So perhaps you can share, um, there's the whole Cameroon to Jobag journey of, and because you've already now mentioned a couple of things already, what was your agenda? What were you aspiring for? What did you do? And how did it, you, did it bring you to Jobag? And then also, and then you can share the same for the, for the same journey that has brought you to your current Africa and Middle East um, role. Okay. So I think maybe to just bring it to perspective, I've, I've always been passionate about the, the continent. Uh, I love the continent. I hope someday I will make a big impact on the continent. So my 
my whole agenda has always been, I need to know more about the continent and engage more with it. Um, and that was the, one of the main reasons why I left uh, Turkey to move back to Africa. At the time, CHL had opportunities in Tanzania and Cameroon. So to select, I, I mentioned, I would rather go to Cameroon, right? Because I'm Kenyan, Tanzania, it's right next to the border, they speak Swahili. So I felt like challenge-wise, if, if I really wanted to be challenged and step out of my comfort zone, Cameroon is a better fit at the time. If uh, things are not going well in Tanzania, it would be so easy for me to just get on the bus and get back home. So yeah. I said, let me go all this other way in West Africa where they speak a different language. Um, so that's how I ended up in Cameroon, which was challenging at first uh, because my French was very basic, but I quickly had to learn and assimilate and, and be part of the team. Mm -hmm. But once I got there, the amazing thing about the role that I had is it, it helped me get a view or a perspective of the whole organization, right? How different department works. And this is how I got to understand what are the pain points of the organization at this point, and then try and prepare myself or propel myself to get into that position to support the organization. Yeah. So at that point is where I realized, okay, so we do have a problem in this area. Then I asked myself, okay, which country within the continent is doing really well in this area that we can learn from? And at that point, it was South Africa. So I pitched my boss and I asked, okay, could I go for a three months on the job training in South Africa? And then I can come back and implement whatever I learned from there so that we can move this department forward. And it was so amazing. Uh, I thought it wouldn't be accepted, but mm -hmm. it was that was accepted and supported even by HR within the region. Then I came to South Africa for three months and went back to Cameroon. Yeah. So that was this. one of the times mm -hmm. uh, I think I, I stepped in to say, okay, so what value can I really bring to the organization other than just fit in the role that I was previously prescribed to? So that was the first one. Maybe I can pause you a little bit. Let's narrow down to the pitching part. You know, like that, I'm sure people are like, how did he, she, what did she do? Like, how did she show up in that office? How terrified was she? How was the boss? How did the boss react? Maybe you can yeah. make it a little bit tangible about how you prepared yourself for that pitch and what you feel from that made it possible for your boss to say, yeah, of course, Sabines, go to South Africa for three months. Okay, so the first thing, like I mentioned before, some of these things you need to have sort of cultivated before, right? So in the roles and in the tasks that I needed to do up until that time, I had really pushed myself to deliver it in a way that you know, my boss would trust me with with uh, with bigger tasks and bigger responsibilities in the organization. Um, and then just having that sort of relationship or that trust from your boss, knowing that they can trust you with responsibilities. And then you being that person that guides them to say, look, this is our biggest pain point and I want to help you find a solution for it. I, I want mm -hmm. to support you because the goal of the organization is to go in this direction. And I believe yeah. if I can step in, then I can support you to go in this direction. And then you outline, okay, so these are the, this is what I bring in, in terms of my skills and my experiences. And I'm offering myself to come back and really take this and run with this. Yeah, so that is somehow how my pitch came together. But I believe also, why it was accepted is also created this relationship together with the HR within the region. So mm -hmm. we do have a program for, it's, it's a talent program for young people. 
-hmm. in the organization. And as part of that talent program, I'd sort of developed my career plan, two years, three years, five years. And because HR runs this program, so what you do, I would be like, okay, so this is the plan I've made. <laughs> and then every time I would tick something off it, I would come back yeah. and say, look, this is what I've done. And this is the impact, right? So by the time I was pitching this, and definitely HR is involved in this process, they were like, yeah, definitely, we believe she can do this, and it's a good thing for the organization. Yeah, and that really summarizes really well this idea of cultivating your way to yes. Like, it's not, it's not about that moment when you ask. It's a lot of what's the prep work you do before, as well as how much aligned you are to where the organization is, is going. And then everything you said again about um, showing how you can support and serve. And another thing that I caught there was this whole idea of guiding my manager. I think that's really powerful. I'm just bringing it back again for the audience that you can sort of also facilitate your, the process of getting the opportunities by in a much more gentle way and not like, I think you started earlier, yeah, not like pushy. And I think the word for you is how can I guide my manager to see what I'm capable of um, in my journey. And um, let's now come to this whole Middle East Africa role. And because this is another one that really touches on that idea of thinking far, because you're a really visionary for the continent, for yourself, for your life, and thinking about what is it that I want to achieve and what is it the organization also wants to achieve, and then aligning those together. So you can take us through that story with this focus on this whole vision alignment of both parties. Yeah. Actually, I can see someone from my company here. Hi, Martha. She also called Martha. Awesome. <laughs> Hi, <Yeah>. Tabi. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, okay, we're talking about the Middle East and Africa role. Yes, I've... When I, came, when I went back to Cameroon after a year and a half, um, really supporting the, the team and the company, we did well. Uh, but I always felt like I wanted to spread my wings, right? I wanted to see a little bit more. And I'm those sort of people that if the CEO is sending an email, I'm going to read it word by word. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm those kind of people, right? And this is the CEO writing an email all the way from Germany because that's where our headquarters is. So that's how we get to understand, you know, what is what is the vision of the company? Where do they want to go? What are the next big things that are happening? And I remember at that time, the next big thing that was going to happen in a year or two years time was trying to change our whole um, IT system globally. Mm -hmm. And I, in my head, it clicked, if they're going to do that, they're going to need a team to do this. And then I asked myself, so what would I need to be able to be part of this team? because this team then would be, would be able to you know, roll this thing out globally. This would give me more visibility within, within the company. And it will also get to serve my personal goal of being in touch with you know, the, the continent and the, and the other countries within the continent. So with that, what I managed to, to figure out was I needed to learn about the system. I needed to know what system this is and how does it work. Yeah. So I enrolled in a course and I managed to get the highest certificate in that course. So a year later, when the when the roles were being advertised, it was it was a no-brainer because first of all, I was actually the first person in the continent to have that certificate. So it it just made sense that they would select me for that role. And aside from that, I had uh, now 
I was working in a different country, which was Cameroon, that speaks French. So I could speak three languages within the continent, English, Swahili, and uh, mm -hmm. French. And in my previous experience, I at least traveled and worked with people from other countries in Africa. So for me, that's why I say like all these things working backwards really do propel you and prepare you for the next opportunity. So that's how I got to get the role of um, working with a team within the region and got to spread my wings and work with a couple other countries within Africa, which was exciting. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. So before, um, so for everybody listening in, you can already start typing your questions for Tabines um, because we are moving to Q&A sort of engagement session. Um, and I already have one question for you, Tabines, that I saw when I was just going through the questions from the signups. And this one, it's a Martha one, yeah? So just like, <laughs> just be ready for it, yeah? We, we, we've come a long journey. So there's, a, there's a, a human called Adrian who asked, how do I come up with a powerful why? And you know why I'm asking this. <laughs> hmm. I would say a tabiness answer. Mm -hmm. we, we all, innately have this thing or we all have something that so easily comes to us right like other people would struggle it but it so easily comes to us so i always just say go back and reflect on it and just look at everything that you've been doing before what what is this thing or these things that so easily come to you that don't come easily or the same way to other people and then Because for me, like, for example, for me, as I mentioned, like my why and coming up with my statement, which you helped me to do with it, is transforming myself while working with other like-minded individuals to make an impact in Africa. And it's transforming myself because I look, if I look at my journey, I'm always looking at how can I be better? What can I differently what do i need to learn how can i improve mm -hmm. so my my why is always how do i improve but not just for myself but improve in a sense that i can make an impact in the society and help other people so i would say just reflect and see what are the things that come easily to you and bring you joy and do not just serve you but also serve other people and how would you connect that for, for the audience in terms of now this really powerful way of transforming yourself so that you can be a catalyst of change in Africa and things that come easily for you? How did you, so how, do, how would you connect those two things? Yeah. Okay. So for me, like one thing I realized was so easy for me was assimilating with different cultures, right? Mm -hmm. So I realized you dropped me, my first experience outside of Kenya was in Uganda. I assimilated very quickly. Um, I had experience, I went to Ethiopia, I went to Egypt, and then I had to live in Turkey, which, which was very, the culture there is a bit different. But something I realized by, about myself is so easy for me to adapt and assimilate within a culture. And I get excited to learn about other people and what they do and try to 
or rather feel like a part of them, right? So that's something that gives me gives me so much joy to just know, okay, I can speak one word of Uganda, of, of, of uh, Luganda, I can speak one word of uh, French and all that. So just being able to, to do that for me, I think that's what worked. And then with that, um, and also just being passionate about, you know, where, where do I want to see Africa? And that has always just been something for me, you know, what impact can I make in this continent? So when I put those together, I knew whatever, whatever I do with myself and however mm -hmm. I grow even in my career, my long term or where I want to go is to always improve myself and then see how I can make an impact within the society. Yeah. Oh, listening to you gives me chills. I'm just waiting for you to like <laughs> do all these amazing things which you're already doing uh, already with DHL. Great. So um, this is a good moment for us to start asking, engaging tabbiness um, with our questions today. We will have around 15 minutes of questions. Um, feel free to unmute yourself if you're able to speak, if you're already at home and you're comfortable. However, if you're on transit, feel free to send a text um, on the chat and uh, Tabines will be happy to engage with you on this. Uh, so maybe Martha, just adding on to that pitching topic yeah. um, and how it got to the thing that really helped me was along the way, I always documented my achievements. Mm -hmm. right? so I had this draft email when anything happened, however small, I would document it because it's so easy for us. Three months, four, five months down the line, you forget. Yeah. You completely forget what you did. So documenting those things was so, was so helpful for me so that by the time I'm going to pitch something, mm -hmm. I would just go back and look, okay, so what can I use to pitch uh, about this particular issue? Yeah. So it's always good to document your wins. Yeah. Yeah, it's sometimes really sad when um, candidates show up for interviews and you ask them questions as, tell me one of the proudest projects you've led. And the example they give is not yeah. compelling. It's not like, it's like, you know, as an interviewer, you're like, is that really what you can, is that the best you can share? And probably at that moment, someone just panicked or someone was yeah. anxious or someone simply forgot. So exactly, it's really powerful to keep a record of those milestones over the years. Right, so we are ready for questions or rather Tabiness is ready for your questions. Let me go to gallery so I can see everyone. If not, I can keep talking. <laughs> Let's pause, maybe people are absorbing. So again, you can type on the chat or you can unmute yourself and speak. If you're able to do that. We have a question from Brenda. Thank you, Brenda. How best to position oneself if there's a gap? This may be due to injury, taking care of an adult or childcare. So more about if you take a sabbatical for all the 1,000 reasons, um, how, how do you come back? This is quite broad. I don't know what would be your take on this. Have you ever taken a sabbatical, Tabines? It's time, yeah? 
<laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> it's time. Wish, um, Study sabbatical. You can just finish your MBA in two months. <laughs> I think my take on this would be, I haven't taken a sabbatical, but my take on this would be, you might not start exactly where you are or with exactly what you, you wanted, right? So I would say, what are the opportunities out there and what can you take advantage of? It might not be in your, in your previous area or in your area of, um, of study and something like that. So I would say, take the opportunity that is available and then prove yourself. Because for me, that's what I've been doing with, with all my roles. You know, mm -hmm. I started as a trainee and, and I proved myself so that I could get to the, to the next level. I would say just take the opportunity that, that comes. Yeah, I can relate to that. Um, there are so many ways of approaching this question of taking a break. Yeah, and there is not really a one like fixed answer to it. I know, for example, one of my friends in the HR space who actually took, I think, two years off to take care of her, her kids when they were young. And then when she came back, she came back in a time where like economy was really bad. So she was like, okay, I need to, she was already at management level. So she could easily have, got, have gotten a job for like 150, 200K. But then she, she couldn't find a job. So she was like, but I need to get back to work. So what she did, she actually decided to start at entry level or assistant level in HR and you're paid a third of that, like 50K or something. Three, four, five years later, she's now like director of operations in some big, big company. So sometimes that's a possible path. The other part um, is also about this question is, I think sometimes we shy away from communicating clearly why we took our break and what we did in that break. Sometimes we just take a break to reset and like forget all the madness of the world of work. Um, but sometimes we actually have time in between where we can build our skills, we can gain other volunteer experiences, blah, blah, blah. So in the context of today's conversation, intention, being intentional and strategic, because nobody owes you anything, it's really about, again, going back to where happiness was coming from, it's not really about that moment when you're applying for a job after a long break. It's about from the moment you took the break, what you did with that time and how you put it all together in that moment when you're looking for that opportunity. Um, and I think the same approach applies to this whole, yeah, when you're moving from freelance to corporate. Um, and again, uh, Brenda, there are so many quiz Pandora boxes that can be opened there because what did you do before freelance? What skills did you accumulate when you're in freelance? Um, what opportunities are you looking for in the corporate? And then how do all those align together? So those are some of the questions you probably want to ask yourself. Thank you for your question, Brenda. Okay, let's see, there's something else here. One second, Katarina, thank you for your question. What steps can someone who is 
looking to change careers, for example, from banking to investment tech. The biggest challenge is the lack of experience, even though there are some transferable skills. Let me read that again. I love this question. <laughs> what steps can someone who is looking to change careers, for example, from banking to investment take? The biggest challenge is the lack of experience, even though there are some transferable skills. I want to say, Katarina, you already have your answer in your own question, but let's, let's hear from Tabines what she would say to this one. How, what, would in, what would be the voice of intention and strategy in, in approaching this question? Hmm. What has worked for me, uh, there are two things that have worked for me. One is I, I find the JD, of the, of the role I'm acquiring to. So I, I find the JD and then I look at what I've done and then where are the gaps? So what exactly are the gaps, you know? And then I ask myself, these gaps, what can I do to fill these gaps? So that's usually my first thing. And then the second thing is always um, people. So who can help me with this? Either somebody already in that position or somebody who hires for, for such positions, because there's always wisdom in listening to people's uh, stories. And it's so interesting that sometimes for me, I would just get onto LinkedIn, look for you know, somebody with a specific profile and just write them a quick uh, message, like, would you mind having a 15 minute informational interview with me? This is what I would like to find out. And people are so amazing. They always make time. Somebody does not even know you, you know, but because you're also, specific with what you would like them to support you with that's the other way I, I would approach it yeah so the biggest challenge with why it's extremely difficult for all of us to transition from one sector to another is because we wake up and we decide we want to transition it doesn't work like this so, Katerina, that part for lack of experience, the response for you is, again, intention and strategy. I want to transition from investment, but not tomorrow, maybe in a year's time or in 18 months. So what do I do in the 18 months before that? Yeah? then I love that you're already thinking about transferable skills. Can you already start using those skills in any other creative ways in that investment space, even before you get there? So that by the time you're applying for jobs in the investment space, whether it's like you've been doing some pro bono stuff online or whatever you find those opportunities, you're, you just don't have the transferable skills saying, oh, I manage projects, but in the context of running our nonprofit and now I, I want to come back this happens a lot no sorry yours is banking i ran i did a project in this context but i have not done a project in this context and project management is still a transferable skill but the employer will look at if i have two candidates and one has project management in the investment space of course i'll hire the the latter so also ask yourself how can you already bring context and yeah, the context of where you want to go in the in in 
in reference to your transferable skills. So it's again, thinking about it before. So many times we are thinking about transition as either I'm stuck or my industry is going down, now I want to leave now. Then we get, when we start looking for jobs and then we never get them because we haven't deeply thought about how to accumulate skills. Other times, one of the challenges that I work with uh, professionals on, and Katarina, if you want, we can pick this up separately, is having a really, really compelling reason for your transition. Yeah, so a lot of people will always say, oh, I want to grow. Everybody wants to grow. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to grow. How do you want to grow? How is this space going to help you grow in a different way from any other organization? And what value will you create while you're growing here? So these are some of the questions that I can leave you with, Katarina. Yeah, it's uh, one of the most challenging things to do when you just wake up and, oh, now I want to transition. Um, so thanks for that question. Uh, we have maybe two minutes for, two, three minutes for one more question or two, if there are any. Meanwhile, uh, Tabines, maybe you had one more thing you wanted to share? Why? Oh, no, I faded. Ah, <laughs> good. Okay, let's see, Edgar. Hi, Edgar. Based on where you see yourself in the future, what is your ideal role and work environment? Oh, I like this question. <laughs> Edgar, I'll pay back for that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, okay, so this is something I've, I've definitely spent a lot of time um, thinking about and it's also something that uh, I've worked together with Martha through the, the coaching to really look at you know what long term where do I really want to be right and definitely logistics wasn't I, I never dreamt of being in logistics with our with our education system it's something that we were never exposed to right so for me it just happened by chance but I know with with the kind of um with my kind of experience right now and with what I love to do and where my passion is and where I feel like my mission and purpose as a person is, I would really love to get into the international development world. So that's where I see myself in the long term, just working on projects um, on economic development, education, um, and empowerment within the continent. So that's where I really see myself long term. And I'm working towards because I know for me that would be quite a, a big pivot as well, uh, moving from logistics and corporate world, multinational company to international development. And I have no experience with that. So as Martha was saying, it's something I know I want to do long-term. So what are the steps I can do now 
to prepare myself for that future opportunity. Yeah, that reminds me of actually another question. There was a, someone who had asked us a question. I think, I don't know if she's here, Purity. Um, how do I, her question was, how do I position myself to international recruiters when I'm looking for opportunities like internationally? Yeah, but I want to remove the recruiters because recruiters are just like a piece of it into how do I position myself as a global talent when I'm looking for opportunities uh, with, let's say, international global organizations. So maybe you can share what are you already doing? What are the smart, small things? Because these are things you do, you know, two things a month. You do that 12 months, you've done 24 things. If it's about, for example, building new connections, you've, you've met, I don't know, 12 times two, 24 new people in different companies globally, blah, blah, blah. So maybe you can share what are the small things you're doing towards that path? So something that has really worked for me, uh, to be honest, is it's using LinkedIn. You know, so I've been, I've also been very intentional and strategic with how I use my LinkedIn and how I put my profile there. The, the kind of people I follow, the, the kind of people I comment on their posts. So for me, LinkedIn has been that place to strategically position myself or internationally position myself. Um, as I mentioned, like organization, you, you have the regional headquarters in Dubai, you have the headquarters in, in, uh, in Germany, but through LinkedIn, I'm able to connect with, with colleagues even in the higher spaces um, through LinkedIn. So for me, LinkedIn has really been the it, it's really worked. And also seeing what kind of, um, you know, nowadays we have a lot of virtual events. So personally, if, if I'm interested with the World Bank, the World Bank is running something, if the recruiters of World Bank are, are running a session on, you know, how to have a good profile for the World Bank, I'll make sure I attend as well. So also those kind of things, uh, I believe, help to position you out there. Awesome. And then finally, uh, Simon. Um, hi, Simon. So he's like, I probably missed this in the beginning. So this will be our last question for today. Can you share and some early career mistake? I'll only put one and lessons learned. And bringing it to today's conversation, how did that mistake help you move ahead much more intentionally and strategically in your career? So I think we'll just go back to you know the title of this of this session. It's it's nobody owes you anything, and that was my earliest career mistake, right? I would have a deliverable at work. And if maybe I need a colleague to, to do a share of it, I would expect them to do it. And at the end of the day, if it's not done, remember it was my deliverable. I cannot go and say, oh, but John didn't do this. Uh, John didn't do that. So from earlier on, I realized um, just that thing of nobody owes you anything, even if it's their job to do it, <laughs> even yeah. if it's, to do it you have to find a way to help them see that you're there to support not there to give them orders or to command them or to escalate if they don't do something because it will just always bring friction so for me those, those are the things that i learned that i need to be fast of service and just try to put myself in their shoes and see how i can help for them to help me deliver my agenda so that's something i, I learned and it's helped me until today Awesome. 
Final word, final thoughts. Final words. Nobody owes you anything. The world <laughs> owes you anything. I know if you have a job, they probably need to they need to pay your salary and all that. But at the end of the day, uh, just to, do take your career into your own hands and be intentional and strategic about it. You don't have to go for all the roles available. Be strategic about it. And I'm sure you will see the fruits and the benefits of it. Great. Thank you so much, Tabinens. It was lovely to have you. Thank you, too. How did the conversation go for you? You are... Not very sure in the beginning <laughs> to be on the hot set. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, but I think this is also the part of, you know, growth, stepping out of your comfort zone, trying something new uh, and learning from it. So it was, it was good.